1: with an upgraded vein and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com, or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk's hey.
2: Chad Weenan, thank you so much for coming back on ATV Talk. I appreciate you taking some time, brother.
0: Leonard, yeah, thanks, man. Uh, happy to be back on, and, uh, you know... It's, it seemed like it wasn't that long ago that we we spoke, but we're halfway through already. And
2: yeah, and and uh, you know, uh, I want to I want to ask you know, the, the season hasn't been since Daytona. You know, you, you had a rough go there, and and it seems like you're just slowly starting your get your wheels rolling. Yeah, I
0: mean, I I don't know what it is, but that kind of happened last year too. And like just trying to get everything like it seems like once we go north and I move back home, like I start to really start gelling with like my machine, and everything starts going, I guess like maybe I've just learned not to like try and burn myself out early in the season where I come on stronger towards mid and end uh i I can't explain you know what what the rhyme or reason of it, but um sometimes like luck's got to fall in your direction at at times and other times you got to claw yourself through the
2: mud to get, get any
0: result you can.
2: Right. I know. And, 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 and are you, are we uncharacteristically muddy this year?
0: Yeah, we are. Or what do we have? Like three out of the three out of the five rounds we've had mud. Yep. So pretty difficult like uh, on equipment and the prep time that it takes to get it back into a good race machine to go back to the next round. And, um, it's just, uh, I mean, everybody's got to do it, but like, it's uncharacteristic to have that many, like throughout a season.
2: Well, a few, when I was back there, we had a year where it was like almost every round we went to was mud. It was horrible.
0: Yeah, those uh, those those will take a toll on everybody and make you kind of rethink of what, what what you really want to what what you really want to do out of that,
2: you know. Uh, yeah, I don't like the rain. I don't like the mud, and I didn't I didn't like it then either because it was it, we're shipping motors and and yeah. you know fixing chassis, and it was just yeah. Our shop is on the west coast, and we're in uh, you know our our trailer stayed in Tennessee, but still. Yeah.
0: Now it's funny like my mechanic he's like like he at the beginning he was like you're awesome in the mud let's just make it rain and stuff like that I'm like no like <laughs> let's do real racing and he started to find out that those mud races are a ton of work and the amount of prep that you have to do for it and then uh the after hours cleanup is like it's doubled tripled yep. and like a- after this one he's like you could tell he's worn out after this one and he's like i'm glad that we got the result but we're we're good on uh <laughs> hopefully we don't have too many more of those because i can tell it's definitely wearing on him."
2: oh i bet i bet
1: so what went on in texas
2: what about uh like my res- it-, it was round two yeah
0: yeah um Honestly, like, I've been having like some struggles, like inconsistency problems with like my my starts, and um, like I would like I would get a good one, and then I'd be like, you know, outside of the top five, and I had a couple like those first couple starts down there in Texas, I was like having some struggles, like getting out of there well and consistent, and. Um, I was always finding myself having to work my way through the pack. And, uh, that first moto I was charging my way through, uh, working myself up to second and I ended up like getting my, my tire outside of the rut and just couldn't bring it back in. And I got high centered on a berm, which is a very uncharacteristic mistake. Like I'm usually pretty clean on my lines and. Try not to override the machine, but it's just one of those things. Maybe I was just pushing a little too hard trying to make, uh, make up time. And that ended up hindering my moto. I got dropped back to eighth and I worked my way back up the fourth again.
2: So at least you gave yourself enough time to get some of the, some of it back.
0: Yeah. There wasn't enough time though. Like, honestly, like I took it down all the way to the last lap, making that pass into fourth. So it was it took a toll on me. Like it redlined me. So I was, it hindered my second moto because of that, you know, just working that hard. And like the second moto I came out, I think I came out like third or fourth and passed up to second and just couldn't do anything there. I was, I was pretty gassed. Wow. Like it was a, it was a, like, yeah, I got a podium. I lost a bunch of points again. So like getting like, you got to be able to slow the bleeding a little more than that. Like if you're going to lose, you got to like try to lose like the, the smallest amount of points. And I was losing them in like, like chunks the first couple of motos of the year. Right. So it definitely put me on my back foot there. And, um, yeah. So that was a little bit of a struggle round. Usually like that round's been usually pretty good to me, but you know, just some, some days aren't your days. And, Hard to put them together.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then you guys went in and raced in the mud again. Yeah.
0: That was uh, like the heaviest, stickiest mud that I've ever ridden in. Like we couldn't stiffen up our machines enough to keep it like off the ground. And like, it was, it was pretty wild. Like survival. Like you couldn't shit. I couldn't shift my machine anymore. Cause there's so much mud sitting on my Nerf bar. I couldn't get to my shifter. Wow. Yeah. And like it was one of those like races I'll probably never forget because of, the, because of how gnarly those conditions were. But like ended up winning a motor, the second motor there, got a, got a whole shot. Like right there, I like st- I, going into that round, I changed, I was working a lot on like a different start technique and it really paid off to be more consistent and probably, you know, even better, you know, being that I've, haven't yanked a bunch of hole shots, but every once in a while I'll get some. So it's one of those things where I think it's that change in my start technique has really shown. Like I've gotten a start from that race. I've gotten a hole shot every round from that on. Well, that's
2: I means you did something positive there, yeah. changing that technique. Yeah. Is it? it, it are you finding it when? you're run up against a uh, a wall where where you're having difficulty that all your years of experience that there's so many things to to reach in the bag and pull from that that helps you find another way to do it
0: oh definitely like i mean i'm i'm still learning today on like like things that come up on track you know you got to be able to make like a good decision quickly and i think being on track that many times and like being in similar situations that have definitely like allowed me to make a good decision quickly and like benefit me like on like racecraft and you know knowledge of the sport and knowing like like when to push and when not to and be smart you know just uh uh take what take what the conditions give you and not try to push too hard and end up you know having a crash or an injury that could take you out for the rest of the year.
2: Yeah, You've been pretty consistent with that, with staying healthy for the years, you know, and what are, what are one of the things, because I know that the the pack that you've been riding in this year, those guys are hungry and they're all over. When I'm watching some of the videos and seeing the pictures, in some of those races, you were surrounded by fire breathing dragons, you know, and, and they just were hungry. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely like a lot of young talent coming up and, uh, they're showing a lot of strength in certain areas. And then you also got to know their weaknesses too. And, um, I know that a lot of these riders weaknesses are towards the end of the race. And like, that's where I just try to keep my patience and like, know, like be able to, make adjustments, you know, during the race, like, like for instance, um, uh, you know, say I get a bad start. I got to know that I got to at least get up to like a, a second, pl- I got to try and at least get myself to a second place position if, if my main competitor Joel is out front, but I know that I have all race to do that. So I got to make, you know, good passes, clean passes where, you don't upset these riders when you pass them so they don't retaliate at you. And then also like get them when they're vulnerable, like when they make a mistake or like not by forcing passes, but waiting for your time. And like there, I mean, I'm getting to the point in the year that I don't have, I have a small window of like, uh, like points that I can keep giving up. So it's like, I got to be spot on the rest of the year and obviously pick my battles, but like like, barring a a mistake from, you know, Joel is, you know, something that definitely can happen and it has happened. So I can't like overlook that, but I'm not, I can't count on it. I can't count on that to happen. So I got to obviously make my moves. And, but honestly, like going back to being healthy, like, I never try to ride outside of my comfort zone. Like I I'll take a, I'll take a, I'll lick to the chin getting beat before I'm going to put myself on the he- on my head. Like I know, I know what my limit is. And when i like, when I start to like ride faster and, and more aggressive, like I know that my comfort zone is growing and I'm, I'm getting to like my peak. So I feel like it's, Like this weekend, I felt like I'm getting to like my comfort zone and getting to like my, where I'm comfortable riding that edge, that closer to that edge and feeling comfortable doing it.
2: Isn't it uncharacteristic for you for it to take so long into the season though?
0: I think, I think it is, but I mean, I'm, I'm changing a person, you know, like I'm, I'm several years older than what I used to be when I was younger, like getting those big points leads at the beginning of the year. But like, that can also be that like, I'm always developing, like I'm always developing on my machine, whether it's like something so small as like, you know, like internal suspension parts. Like I'm always developing like something to try and like better my program. So we can go into the year, like, developing it. And then when we come north, we have to suit it for the the more the clay style tracks. And, like, once I find my, like, find the 100% comfort, like, up here, I feel like I can ride it anywhere.
3: Okay. Do you
2: prefer the clay tracks?
0: I prefer, like, more, like, the sand and, like, the rougher style tracks that it's, like, I can use my my standing attack position like more more often, where like in the clay tracks you have to like you gotta get in more into like a seated position to get your traction to the ground. And um I can use my legs more in the sand when it gets like beat rough and like manipulate the bike, uh, you know, tell it where to go and it's just uh I find my flow pretty well in the sand.
2: You have some TT experience though, also, right? Got yeah, zero. Zero? Because it had already transitioned into straight motocross when you came in. Okay. You're old, but you're not that old.
0: Yeah. I was like uh, 2000, 2000,
2: 2003. I dabbled with the Nationals for the first time. Okay. Yes. You came in right after. Yeah. Um, do you think that if you would have had some TT experience, that running on clay tracks would, would have a little different uh, appeal to you? So you could... Yeah. Like,
0: I could probably learn like I would be able to learn like how to use like my rear brake for traction and like um just having that extra little bit of technique on that hard pack. Like my home track here is like the upper half is clay, the bottom half is like black dirt, like kind of like uh like a really clean black dirt and it, it roughens up nice, holds moisture well, and then the clay up top is like uh it gets baked hard and slick and so it's like, I get, I get, I get a lot of that, but like, I think if I was, but TT is like, it's, I guess it's not my riding style. It's not my style to like back backing into a turn. Right. And do that stuff. Like I'm more of a drive. I drive my machine everywhere.
2: Well, I, 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 it's six, a dozen, six of one half a dozen of another. I see the driving it through the way you do it, and and the way some of the other guys do it, it's fast.
0: Oh yeah, I mean it is, and it's consistent. Yeah, like you start, you start like backing the turns, like you're gonna, you're gonna have some bobbles, you know, like it's, it's it's such an erratic movement and sliding, and when you're driving, you're keeping your traction throughout. Yep. So, but you got to be like smart with your lines and how you cut carve the turn and keep your momentum going. So it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool that like, you can have, you know, the two totally different riding styles that can be like so close to, to a lap time on a track, you know, just the way that, uh, the machines are ridden and set up and body styles, everything, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Like, I, I believe like with me being so heavy, like it's hard to get my machine to slide through a turn and not catch something and and to like through the bumps, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, I think it's like very unpredictable at times.
2: Do you have much tire issue where you're losing, uh, the, the, the tires failing due to you're knocking the edge of it off very much? Like,
0: like the Maxis tire is kind of like, I call it like a driving tire. Kind of like what my, it, it tends to my style, you know? so it's like it's very set up for that so i'll have i'll have times where i'm trying to like actually like slide through a turn and the tire really wants to drive straight so like when we get to tracks that are like you know a high point or um you know a very hard packed track like that it's it's um i have to do like some some work to the tires to allow it to break loose and and uh you know, kind of slide around the turn instead of being drive- driven.
2: That's one thing I've noticed about the little bit of work that I've done with Max is they have amazing straight ahead drive, but they don't drift as well as some of the other tires.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: It's, it's uh, it's like a rider preference, what you do and you know, what, like I've gotten, I've gotten the tire like by doing some grooving to it, to allow it to drift. It's just like, it's not meant to do that. Right.
2: I think the drive system is faster, even though I like loose. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Definitely. Well, because all the the testing that I've done is mostly on concrete or asphalt. You know, when you're testing motors and things like that, believe it or not. Yeah. We do a lot of concrete asphalt testing. And if you can get it to drift, it's way more fun on, on that surface. Yeah. You use the Max's tire, it does not do that. No, no. (laughs) So I have to use a different brand or I'm or I'm not in my comfort zone. So that's what that's why I was asking. If you lose the edge sometimes and the tire goes away on you.
0: No, it it doesn't like go away. It's more of just like you gotta know what it, it can and it's not gonna do. Like in a, in a, in a good way, like I like a tire that drives straight because I know it's not going to step out on me. Right. You know, so like, it's the, the, the comfort and the, the, the trust in the tire, like, you know what it's going to do. So like, I can't say that, you know, like the old Maxis, the, ra- the raise, the regular razor, that, that, that tire would, would definitely like be like a good drifting tire where you could drift around a turn.
2: But this new one's not that, not that way at all. Huh? Oh. It suits your style though, too. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it fits my style so well. So when we rolled through the, the, the third, the second mud race, and then we, where, where'd we go after that?
0: We went up to high point Mount Morris.
2: <laughs> yeah. What, what went on at Mount Morris?
0: Uh, really good starts for one. I got the whole shot mode one and uh led about three quarters of the race uh got tracked down by joel um latched onto him, seen some of his lines, and was able to like keep him and t- keep him close but like uh you wanna see somebody ride fast on a track that makes everybody else kind of look silly it's- it, that's a track right there like Joel is so in sync with that track and the way that he knows how to ride those conditions. Like I, I've won a ton of motos there, but I've never been able to win them overall there. Really? Yeah. Like it's, it's plagued me. So obviously I'd like to win an overall there before I'm done. But, um, man, like, uh, I felt like I had the first moto in the bag and all of a sudden he catches another gear and he tracked me down and there's nothing I could do about it. Wow. That was in yeah. the first moto? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Like, like obviously I was, I was fighting some things with my machine. Like I wanted it to like settle down in the turns a lot quicker. And then I had to kind of baby it into the turns, So I didn't want either blow it or like, um, like spin out going into them. Like it was a lot of like small bump feedback, like on that track. It's some of the, like the some of the, like the stickiest like clay, and then you'll all of a sudden you'll get to a dry spot, and that that machine will want to step out on you, like like that. So, um, it's very tough conditions. But like, like once I felt that I could like have the consistency, like I had two great starts. I came out. I, I got the first moto hole shot and then the second moto. I was right there for the hole shot. And Joel kind of pushed wide to, to make sure that I didn't sweep around him and he just shut me down. So, it, but other than that, like my positives from there were just my starts that I brought that weekend. And, uh, and like heading home from there, did a lot of testing at home here. And, you know, it got me into a, a great setup for the following race that we had this past weekend.
2: So that brings us to, that brings us to Ironman, you know, yeah. you, you get there on, you get there when you get there on Thursday or Friday.
0: I I got there on
2: Friday. Did, did yeah. you have any idea that the weather was going to come in?
0: So all week we were like, uh, I keep an eye on it just so I know what I'm preparing for. And there was like, it, it, was, this, it was a 30%. Sixty percent, seventy percent, and they're jumping around all the time. You because it's, it's, it's been very warm back here, so you'll know, have storms that just pop up. And like we knew that there's a storm possibly coming, and like even the night before, I looked and it was it was like it was small percentage, like thirty percent chance that it was going to rain at four o'clock. That's when it started, and we were looking, keeping an eye on it throughout the day, and like after first moto, like first moto is perfect. is beautiful. Like, you know, it was like perfect conditions for a race. And, um, you know, I, I, ha- I butchered my start. Um, no, no, like no, you know, big reason, but they really held the gate a long time. And I wasn't anticipating nobody anticipates it being held so long. But I like checked up, like there was something wrong with the gate because of how long they held it. And I took myself out of position a little bit, let up off the gas and there it drops. So it was one of those things that I should have been in it, you know, the whole time and waited for somebody to yell at me if there was something going wrong. Right. But honestly, like I worked my way back up into second, like super quick and Made some good lunges to to track down Joel, like I cut away at his lead just a little bit, and I knew like from then like like man, like I get my star position, like we're gonna have ourselves a race, and um going into that second moto, the skies opened up, and it was like a mad scramble because we were we didn't know how much it was gonna rain, like there was it was so scattered and we brought down our mud set up, we started to put it on and then the rain stops and we're like, well, like the track condition right now and the whole shot is the whole shot was perfect. Like there, it wasn't, it wasn't like a small, it was a small tire whole shot. It wasn't like it was a slop fest, but the track was getting very slippery for how hard packed it was. And I told, I told, my crew like let's let's put the smalls back on we're gonna we, we gotta rip a whole shot to get track position and we'll race from there and that's what we did and we rolled the machine into the end the box and it opened up like complete downpour and i've never like sat on the line and seen the tr- like like seen like the ruts in front of me fill up with water like as I'm sitting there waiting for the the gate to drop. And yeah it was unreal. The gate the gate dropped. I ripped the whole shot get out on the circuit and there is lakes of water everywhere. And I'm thinking to myself I'm like man like like we didn't we didn't prepare our machine to be going through water like this like i we we sealed up our airbox but we didn't seal it up for going through ponds of water on the track and i got out there led that i didn't even lead the whole first lap because i took on water right before the finish line and my machine stopped and i'm sitting there like trying to start this thing, you know. I, I I hit it for probably like you know like 10, 15 seconds trying to get the fire. I couldn't get the fire, and then I, I tried again, and it, I got a spark, and it and it fired up, and off I went. And I I circulated that track. It was like as slow as I could, so I wasn't splashing up water into my intake, and. And that was the longest race ever in my life because I'm doing three minute lap times. I'm dodging all these water holes and then you get the two lap card and it takes you over six minutes to finish those last two laps. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was quite a long race. And like, I was just very thankful that I finished and let's, let's go back to what happened when I stopped right before the finish line. Here comes Joel up on right next to me. His machine stops right next to me.
2: So you guys are side by side.
0: We're, we're sitting there right in front of the finish line, side by side stopped. And like, uh, like he got off his machine, very upset. Like, because there were some lightning strikes before we took off. Like, we didn't think that the race should go on. It should be postponed because of how bad the, the the storm was and they ran us. And I don't think anybody knew that the track was going to be the way that it was with that much water on the track. And like, but like we can't do anything about it. We got to go. Like if, if the referee waves us on, like it's time to go, we got to be ready. So we got out there Like I, I finished the race. I was a lap down and I finished third. So it was, um, pretty incredible. And then, uh, like Wesley Wolf, he passed me and he was flying, like on the track, pounding through mud puddles. And I was like, man, like he's, he's like racing this track and I'm just like rolling this track. Like it's a sight lap. Right. and eventually, I think he got word that he had such a huge lead that they told him just to slow down. And um, and then here comes like I see, like Nick Denoble, like just hydroplaning across puddles and jumping in puddles and landing in puddles and not caring like what happened. And he eventually caught Wesley. Like Wesley's thinking that he's a lapper and. DeNoble passes them on the last lap and DeNoble wins the race. So it's like the craziest conditions ever creates the craziest results ever.
2: And how did, was there a lot of carnage all over the track?
0: Oh my God, goodness. Like, so when I took off, I was like, I'm going to ride as slow as I can, just so I survive. Cause if these, if these guys are going to race this track, they're going to be sitting along the sidelines in no time. And I'm rolling down the finish line thinking that and I make that next lap. I've never seen so many machines stopped on the track. Like there's 10, there's probably 10 in that first, in that first lap that I seen just stopped. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like, so for some reason, like the finish line was like the worst spot. So there's like people, riders, machines everywhere. So I come around my, my first, my second lap and there is like, I have to like weave through guys that are trying to push their machines up to finish line to get one lap counted. And I'm like, I think I'm going to run into these guys because you're, you're in the mud, you're sliding around everywhere. And it was just like mayhem, like nothing that I've ever seen before.
3: Did Joel
2: get rolling again?
0: Joel got, Joel got going again. So he, he asked our referee, this is what he told me. He asked the referee if they could help each other push their machines. And uh, Harv Whipple, our referee agreed that they could do that. And it was within the rule book, which like for me, I, I didn't agree with that because like, I guess when I, when I, when I've been brought up to the rule book and, and the rules and throughout the years, there is no outside assistance of like yourself. Like you can't have somebody else help you push your machine unless you're completely stuck and you you're in the track and you're a danger to the other riders. But like none of these guys were stuck. They just couldn't get their machines to run anymore. Like they could push them off the track and. There was four guys that were helping each other push their machines up on top of the finish line. And um I don't know if they bump started their machines or what they did down the finish line to be able to get going. But like he got his machine going probably like three or four laps down from me, like my guess. And then he started circulating as well. And he ended up getting a fifth place, you know, because of that.
2: Just because he got to a couple more laps in.
0: Yeah, yeah. There is. So halfway through the race, there was only four machines circulating the track.
3: Wow. Yeah.
2: And that and that stayed that way for the rest of the race. Nobody else got going again.
0: There was other guys that got their machines going, but like I think there was only maybe. Maybe two, maybe three that got their
3: machines refired and going. Wow.
2: Yeah. So they've seen guys that are normally not as far up in the standings, you know, did oh, better. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, um, you know, the things with like uh like Wesley Wolf and uh Nick DeNoble, like like Wesley missed several rounds. So like points don't really mean a whole lot to him. So he was just out there just to try and win the race and not worrying about like if he broke down or not. And then Nick DeNoble comes back for one race just to basically do it. And he wasn't looking for like, I think if he got if he got a top 10 result, I think he was going to be tickled pink, you know, but to win, win the moto. You know, it was like
3: cloud nine for him. Yeah, that's, and,
0: yeah,
2: that's a feat. I mean, it, it, whether whether it was Google, it was fair for everybody because everybody had to ride in the same mud.
0: Absolutely, and like I came off the track, I'm like, "Hey, man, I think you won the race." And he's like, "Really?" <laughs> it was like the like it's like one of those things you hear about it, like, like from people, like in different instances, but to like, to tell a guy that, and he's like, what, really? Are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. (laughs) And he just went nuts. And the guy maybe rode, like, I think it'd be a a stretch if he rode like four, four times this year,
2: you know? Wow. Yeah. That's awesome though, dude. Cause that's a a memory for life right there.
0: Definitely. And like, I call, I was kind of joking with him. Like, off the couch and went win a moto.
2: <laughs> yeah. Hey, whatever it takes, yeah. right. <laughs> train, yeah. train harder next time, you know, I mean, or don't train so hard, you know? Yep.
0: Yep. No, it's was pretty, pretty crazy for him. And, you know, I was like, once I got off the track, like I had, I'd done the math in my head. So I kind of knew like,
3: like I knew that I I had to be
0: hoed to try and win the overall, but like I tried, I passed him once and then he noticed that I was racing him for position and he started bonsai and water holes again. And I was like, okay, like I can't do that. Like if I do that, I'm going to stop my machine again and I'm not going to finish. So I had to let him go. And eventually he started to slow down and I ended up passing him when he had, when he was starting to have an issue again so like it was just like one of those things where uh being like that patient guy and not overriding the machine and making sure that you finish you know i think that that knowledge really paid paid off dividends the in, in the end to, for me
2: to get the overall one so you you knew that you were in third place when you crossed the finish line i did yeah yeah, uh, was it was it because the your mechanic was scoring it for you, or did you were counting them?
0: No, I was counting them, and like I mean, I was going so slow on the track, I could see who was all circulating still. So it was uh, like kind of like I was just doing the math in my head. I'm like, okay, like I know Denoble and I know Wesley Wolf and uh, Hogue are still all still racing. So it was,
3: yeah. And I knew that Joel was several laps down, so, so yeah. if Brandon would have won
2: the moto or beat you. He would have overhauled.
3: Um, I don't, I don't know. How, I think Joel might have overhauled. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, there would have been just like the just a flip flop of a, of a moto right there. Like,
2: and, and I don't, I don't understand. I know in the rules that I'm used to that outside assistance is a mechanic or a track worker or somebody else. If it's another racer, that's not generally outside assistance. Mm -hmm. Is it?
0: And that's what they're, that's what they're, they're telling to me. Like they're inside the race. They're not outside.
2: So if if you had an issue and and somebody came up behind you and and you needed a push and you put your foot on their bumper and they push you across the finish line that's legal.
0: I I mean that's way that I'm that's way I've been been telling or way I've been told like you can get help from another racer.
2: Yeah, I would say that that's I would say that that's legal. Yeah. I mean that's what but, that's my interpretation of it, you know. No,
0: like, I think, like, for instance, like, yes, it's, like, really cool that all those riders agreed that they're going to help each other push their machines up on the finish line and do it together and not one take off and be like, see you guys later. Like, like, thanks for the help. Like, uh, from my understanding, they helped each other all get their machines up on top of the finish line to score a lap. And then they do their thing from there. Um, the only thing that like, I guess what would, what would bomb me out is like, like the Jeffrey Astrellis and the Nick Janusas and the other guys that were broke down, like way out on the other side of the track that they probably didn't know that that was legal to do that, to have somebody else, another rider help you like, you know what I mean? Right. So. This is a learn. I mean, like I said, I'm still learning today. I learned that you, you can have another rider help you like on the track. So it's like, I, I, I was under interpretation that it was something else.
2: Have you ever been in a situation where, where there's team orders, where the team, the team guys ride together to, you know, make sure that they stay one, two, or. Or that they, you know, let the one guy go. You know what I'm saying? Where second place would hold off third place or whatever like that.
0: Yeah, like I've never been like I've been in team orders like with Suzuki where, like when Dustin Wimmer was trying to win the championship in WPSA in 2007, like I've been in team orders that like the last motor of the year I was not to pass Dustin unless he was like not able to track down the leader. And the one, the one race I had to let him buy to for him to get a better position than me to try to accumulate more points. So that's like the, the main team orders that I've been a part of.
2: So. Well, it, ultimately it makes the team better to, to get the championship. So
0: yeah. working as a team, together. I see it all the time in F1 like they're pitting guys at different times so that when the when the other leader for a different team comes out they can hold up that driver for as long as they can for the other driver to catch up to catch up to him and try and challenge him for their position.
2: Do you like the new co- well I mean we're going to get off topic here. Do you like the new cars or the old cars?
0: Oh man, I don't know. I think that, like the new cars are like giving like more teams, like a chance to be competitive. Like you're seeing more different. I mean, you're still seeing some of the powerhouse teams up front, but you're seeing like, like half, like they haven't been able to do anything for the past several years. And this year they've got, they're in the top 10 getting points, you know? So it's, it's kind of cool to see that. And then like, you see, you know, the Mercedes powerhouse of last year and the several years before, like they're struggling. With getting like a a podium car consistently, I cool.
2: guess. Let me ask you a political question here about racing. Did you watch the final round in Abu Dhabi last year? Oh yeah, yeah. What's your take on that? Do you think that that championship was taken away from him, or do you think that it was rightly earned?
0: Man, I I, I think it was. I think they wanted to have a race to to win it. And with all the, I think they put their hands in it to almost like fix the race to be exciting at the end of the race, where if they had those lappers in front of Verstappen, he probably wasn't going to be able to catch him for that last lap and have a race to the finish. So I think it got political where they could have a, a race to the finish. And then that put Hamilton in like a terrible position to try and, Hold off for staffing on brand new tires.
2: Do you think the conflict between Hamilton and Mossy had something to do with Mossy's decision?
3: Say that again. Mossy is the guy that made oh,
2: the call. Massey, his name is.
0: I mean, I, I guess.
2: Because then like, Hamilton and that guy don't get along.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that. They had a feud going. Yeah, I mean. it'd be, it'd be terrible if that was it because that became personal, but like, you know, I, I would be, I would be pretty upset, you know, if that did happen to me, like you can't, you can't not be, but I would say like Hamilton deserved to win that race. Like he raced himself into winning, like being contention to win that race. Like he was the fastest guy.
2: Yep. So. and, and I believe, I believe in my heart that they stole it from him, and that Verstappen is not a champion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's, I think he is a, a championship kind of guy. Like he drove his tail off last year oh, in great. the championship. But yeah, it was constantly. Yeah, like if that if that Williams driver didn't crash, Hamilton would have won. Yeah. So it's almost like it was fate, you know, it was, it's almost like it was meant to be that way. Like if there was a safety car right there, you know, like, like that was a dagger, you know, for him.
2: Yeah. I, I wish he would have, cause he might've retired. He might've yeah. won that championship. He might've retired. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I wish, I think what's going to happen is Mercedes is going to figure that car out. And all of them are going to wish that they never did.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I, I think it'll take time, but I think they definitely will. I mean, they're, they know how to do it. It just takes time to be able to figure it out.
2: Yeah. I was kind of surprised or taken back that uh, Mercedes didn't come out of the box better.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I might be like, it might be that they've been able to, you know, have a, such a solid car for so long and then go to like 180 degree kind of different rules. And, you know, maybe they weren't, maybe, I mean, hopefully, I mean, I think that they were taking it a hundred percent seriously, but maybe they didn't know how good the other cars have been putting their time into it and making it happen. Well, Ferrari sure did a lot of homework, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. They've been, they've been on the gas and like Charles is like you know you're seeing that he's a real deal he's a fighter you know So that's pretty cool to see that he's like he fought off for Staffin. like I thought Staffin was gonna like own him up and then he battles back and he's not he's not laying down you know so that's cool
2: I wasn't a Charles fan at first this year I'm more of a fan Oh, yeah. you know because he's, I see him driving, you know, when he first came into the deal, I thought he was kind of a whiny little girl, you know? Yeah. And oh, yeah. I never liked for strapping. Never from day one. I haven't liked that guy. Just,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of him. Like I, I kind of, I like, I mean, it's not, I don't even know if i even like, like one ride, like one driver, like, I don't know if I'm like, completely like all in on one driver. I like, it's like, I like glimpses of Lando Norris and stuff like that. But like, maybe I don't like him like his, maybe I don't like his personality, but I like his driving, you know? Like, it's just like, I I haven't found somebody that I'm like, I'm all in like, I'm their fan, you know?
2: I like Hamilton's driving. I don't like his off track antics, but I love his driving. I think he's a driver.
0: Oh Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And then I, his off-track antics are so aggressive at times that it really turns me away. But i like, like it's it's like we we have a lot of similarities. We run the same number, you know. Is, he's a seven-time champion, right? Yep. Yeah, like I was going for my eighth, I won my eighth, and he was going for his eighth. So it's like a lot of things were falling together, you know. Like so, it's kind of a cool. Like dynamic, but man, know, like.
3: Do you know who else was number 44? I don't. Doug Eichner's first national number was 44. Oh, yeah. Yep. Nice. So champions run the same number. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's good. So, do you watch your motor? Yeah, moto- no. You know?
0: I don't catch up. I don't catch up with MotoGP. Um, I'd like to go see one, but I haven't like, um, so with Yamaha, uh, Cameron bobier like he was, he was at a couple of championship celebrations and stuff like that. And I see that he's running MotoGP and like, I think in the U S he did pretty well, didn't he? I think so. I'm not yeah. sure. So I, I- I haven't been able to really catch like all that. It's it's like my TV time is very limited these days between, you know, I like to watch F1 and some Supercross here and there. And
2: like, yeah. Yamaha had a good year in Supercross this year.
0: They sure did. They sure did. Like, almost very surprising. You know, like I was very surprised they were able to turn that motorcycle around so well and I mean, and then Tomac having that extra fire left in, in the tank to really put it together, and you know, have a—I would say, like you know, at times very dominant. And then, you know, it was good to see him have like competition along the way, at, you know, in the early rounds and then the late rounds.
2: I think he took to that Yamaha just—it just like suited him. It almost yeah. Brought, it almost brought him back because you know if you if you're a fan you almost kind of thought that he was done
0: yeah i mean you almost thought he was kind of maybe turning it in a little bit you know like trying like you know trying to hit one in the dark and see if it see if it works or not but the odds were against him and i i mean it made me more of a fan you know to cheer for him because like you had that doubt and then he proved you wrong so
2: it's it's very cool to see that I struggled with him when he went to Kawasaki, and I was started to become a fan throughout the year at, with him riding the Yamaha, and mm-hmm. was cheering for him. You know, at the end, Um, what do you think about Dungey coming back? Oh I think it's
0: I think it's really cool. Hopefully, he's still got like that good fire, and like I think it's going to be like I think he'll find it. But man, like I think it's being away from racing that long that how is he going to react to it? Like is things going to be in fast pace or is he going to be able to slow it down? You know,
2: what about, did you hear what Ken Roxon did? No. Ken Roxon announced that he is going to be back at the highest level of motocross.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, like he needs it. He
0: needs it bad because it almost seemed like he was starting to get pretty flat burnout. Things weren't going his way, yeah. I think it'd be very hard because like he's been a guy that's at the highest level, and then he's like getting dropped. it's I'm sure it makes you question yourself big time, you know, like what's going on, what's wrong, you know, so hopefully-
2: I, know not, I know you're not those guys, and I know you're not in the same world that they are, but you are a professional athlete at the highest level in in our world. And when you look at you, when you look at Ken, and you look at some of the things that went on with him, do you think it was physical or mental or both that caused him to start to taper?
0: Oh man, I I guarantee it's both because like having the physical struggles, like I think a lot of these guys once they like get to a you know, some of these guys are just like. They can go sick of mode all the time and be okay and not be like break themselves down too much, but I think if I were in a supercross motocross you know did twenty thirty rounds a year, or like I think that that would like break me down at this point, like I would be like kind of depleted and maybe you dig yourself into a hole that you can't get yourself out of unless you take a lot of, a big time off, and I think that's part of the reason and then some of his injuries and like think about it like being mentally beat by cooper webb last year in supercross like that will kind of like demoralize you a little bit where you let him mentally get to you right you know so it's it could be i think it's a, a a gaggle of things that are working against them at that point
2: Watching as many racers as I have, and it's just as many different environments, I thought most of his problems came from the mental side that maybe he was mentally exhausted and, 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 and getting owned by another rider.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. You don't just get over it.
2: No, you know, you have to, you have to do something, you know, and he didn't, he didn't change anything. Uh, and that crash that he had—I don't remember which race it was in. Was it the second round of Supercross
3: uh, when he crashed really bad? Uh, this this year. Oh, um,
2: in the second round uh, or the third thought,
0: round? But I am unsure.
2: Yeah, I am too. But you could just see right there that 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 crash took him out of the yeah. out of. That.
0: Well, you can kind of look at like. They're, I think they're getting like some unpredictability with the with their bike because, like, look, at Sexton, like he looks so silky smooth and in control at times, and then all of a sudden he'll just it'll just oh, gone. Like, I think they have something going on with their with their motorcycle, maybe just chassis wise, maybe just suspension wise that it's it's they're. Maybe he's riding on the edge, but it doesn't look like it. it looks like he's like in very good control. And I think that might have like scared Kenny because he had some moments that it bit him, you know, so it's like,
2: yeah, they haven't, they haven't advanced the electronics on the, on the motocross bikes for traction control devices and things like that yet. Have they?
0: I, I am not, I don't believe they have.
2: I know that Honda, when the MotoGP bike is having electronics issues. Mm. You know, because Marquez, that guy's just the greatest rider of all time. And when he can't win on the machine, yeah, they're saying they're having some handling issues, but they're also having electronics uh, that cause it not to uh, accelerate correctly. Mm. You know, and that causes... At a hundred and some miles an hour, that causes all kinds of butterflies.
0: Yeah. And when <laughs> I mean, at the highest level, things have got to go right. Like you can't be having hiccups here and there. Like it's got to be like a, a finely tuned oiled machine, you know, like it's gotta, everything's gotta go right.
2: Exactly. I mean, same with you. I mean, yeah. when you were talking about, when you were talking about at high point, the bike not entering the turns just right for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're—I'm having to hesitate. You know? You're still going at a very high rate, yeah. but it just takes that—that that, just that little edge off, you know. Yeah.
0: Uh, that extra little commitment that usually you'll just fall into place, and you step a tire wrong and it doesn't fall into place. That'll make you like think twice to do that again. Right.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Well. I like the fact that we got off topic and talk about some other things and get your insight into the professional realm. You know, that's kind of cool. It's a, it's a great perspective from one champion onto a championship series in another. Uh, I think you've seen so many different things and you've experienced so many different things. It gives you a perspective that not everybody would have.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And like, maybe I've been through some of the things. So it's like, you can kind of relate, you know, what they could be going through.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, like Lewis Hamilton, he's going through some mental stuff right now and, uh, and he's got to get over it or he's not going to be a champion again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like you start questioning your ability or d- can't drop the path or you start worrying about somebody else other than being like force blinders focusing on you. Like that'll. That'll definitely take you out
2: of rhythm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You, you know, I mean you you've you've seen both sides of that, I'm sure. Oh absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think I, I think it's pretty awesome. Hey, Chad, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know that it, it it's hard for you to carve out some of this time for us, and I really appreciate it.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. You no, know, we got the got the kids in bed, so we get a couple hours to ourselves. Usually I got my nights are filled with prepping machines for either practice or racing. So, um, it was good that we got home safely and, uh, got home like on Sunday and not on Monday, which is great.
2: (laughs) That's, that's always a better plan, right?
0: Yep. But now it's a pleasure, Leonard. Uh, enjoyed it. And glad we got to talk about several different things.
2: Well, I hope that we can sit down and maybe talk a little when we're in, in Ohio together, you know? Um, Yeah. I know you'll be be really busy and focused, so I won't want to, won't want to bother that at all, but uh, we'll, I'll see you on Friday.
0: Yeah, no, it'll be a, it'll be a fun time to, could be a little icebreaker to, you know, not be so uptight and thinking about the race, but actually just letting your hair down and just having some fun and talking about anything really. So. We'll we'll get it done.
2: Well, I know Valeria, uh, you haven't met her yet. Um, She's the one that does all of our editing. So she meets all of you guys through our time that we spend together. Um, So she's super excited to come back and put faces with with all the people that she's seen in the videos and everything. So she's super excited.
0: Definitely. That'd be great.
1: The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience. Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs. And Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs